0: Let's start with some tough love, all right? You
1: two suck. Say my name. What the kids call Trisie guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com for all your favorite characters from the Gillivers. Shop the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. Also brought to you by Rode Microphones, the official microphone supplier of Inside the Gillivers. See their entire lineup today at rode.com. Now, please welcome your host. Eric Broadbent.
2: Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for season two, episode 19 of Inside the Gilliverse, where we're talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with great pleasure to welcome tonight's guest, award-winning editor from Better Call Saul, Mr. Chris McCaleb. Chris, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm really good. We've been uh, kind of warming up together here a little bit, and uh, it's been nice kind of getting to know one another. and You're in a very familiar place to some people and to others, maybe not. Tell us where you are.
1: Well, I'm in the cutting room right now for Better Call Saul uh, because I was at work today, and uh, here I am. This is not this is a new office for me. This because of COVID, we've had to there's all these different protocols, we have to spread out a lot more. <laughs> And so they moved me from a like a a very cozy, very wonderful room with no windows to what used to be our lunch room. So <laughs> this is like the biggest office I've ever had in my life. I'm like an executive now. I'm like a I'm the CEO. I'm I I'm, got a corner office. I've got an attitude now to to match with my my corner office lifestyle. It's pretty great.
2: Yeah, bigger office means bigger ego, and uh, that's yeah. nice. So I guess you know, get an Emmy Award nomination and an Ace Award. I guess yeah, you get a bigger office. Is it the big thing? Is and hopefully, is it bigger than Tom's office?
1: (sighs) I wish I could say that it was. Tom's got a bigger Uh, office. It's it's, well, it's definitely. I think Tom does have a bigger office. It's it it might or it's at least comparable. Uh, We're on we're on opposite ends of the of the of the floor. So. Yeah, but we're rivals. Tom and I are, we're, we're mortal enemies. And uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm glad we could finally, you know, sort of talk about this publicly, <laughs> the sort of like ultimate rivalry that Tom and I have.
2: Well, his job's easy. He's just putting words on paper, right? And he, every once in a while, he writes on some little index cards. I mean, how hard is that?
1: And they have programs that just do it for you, I think. Uh, that's... That's not true. I mean they do have those things. We don't use them. Okay. But uh, yeah, yeah. I was
2: going to say don't Definitely let Vincent Peter. Don't let Vincent Peter know that cuz then Tom's out of a job cuz that's his only claim to, you know, <laughs> that's his job security, right? <laughs> well, it's nice to have you. I've been looking forward to this and as a video uh, amateur video editor myself, uh, I'm anxious to pick your brain on a few things as well too, but it's, you know, we talk yep. about on the show so many things that are, you know, characters of their own like Dave Porter and his his scoring. You know, as a character in itself on the show, the writers, you know, the directors, everything, the sound crew and, of course, yourself and your team uh, for editing. I mean, that's where things come alive, uh, uh, you know, in, in the room, in your fancy office there. Things come to life. I imagine it's probably a job. I mean, we'll, we'll talk deep. We'll do some deep dives tonight. But I imagine it's something that is a, is a passion of yours, not only a job.
1: I'm yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is. It's something... I, I mean, I've been doing it for so long now. Uh, I hope it's a passion. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely is. It, it's something that I love doing and I, it, it's, it's lucky that the thing that I love to do is, is, uh, you know, is something that, that other people get to enjoy as well, which I guess not every job is like that. So, so, um, yeah, I feel really lucky.
2: Nice. Well, that's good. And it, it, it is nice too, when you can go to work, you know, and you've got a nice comfy looking studio there as well too. I mean, your office, it's nice when you can be in the work. Not all of us have offices like that. Same here with me, you know, as you can see bobbleheads behind me and I got guitar stuff and that it's nice to come into the office where you have a little bit of your favorite comfort, you know, things.
1: Oh yeah. I, I it's, and I, I definitely, I mean, I, I, then you're just seeing kind of one cause you can't see no. the other direction. Nope. Because the because I'm I'm I've moved my Avid down, um, but on the other side are the actual screens mm-hmm. that have the show on them. So can't see that. Nice, not just yet, uh, <laughs> because I would get in real trouble. Yeah, I mean, really bad. But also, like, who? Nobody really wants that, right? Like, you don't really. Uh, my mom, who I think is probably watching, um, is uh, hi mom. <laughs> it's her birthday today. Happy birthday!
0: Happy um, birthday!
1: It is, uh, you know, I, I'm always like, I can't tell you anything. And, you know, she'll, she'll ask it like a really innocuous question. And I'm like, I can't talk about it. I can't say anything. And also you don't want me to because then it's spoiled. Yeah. So I had a, like when uh, Kelly Dixon, who was an editor on Breaking Bad and uh, the first three seasons of Better Call Saul, she was my mentor. She's why I worked on Breaking Bad and I was her assistant. And um uh oh man, I totally lost my train of thought about what I was going to say. Why did I say that? About oh, about she what I was her assistant, yep. and but she had an assistant on breaking bad. And I she was like, I can't take you to breaking bad. I understood. I was a fan of the show. And then while we were working on this other thing, her assistant retired, hmm. great guy named Mel. And and she said, all right, do you want to you come work on Breaking Bad? And it took me a minute because as a fan, I was like, ah, do I really want the last season spoiled? For, like, do I, you know, I'm not going to be able to watch it. Sure. But luckily, I mean, Kelly didn't have to, like, strangle me to, to make the right decision. So,
2: you know, that's something I never thought about. I've never thought about this until now. So, like, some of the actors, you know, and, and cast and crew are married. And, are, you, are you married? I am not. Okay. Well, you know, those that have partners and significant others, you know, imagine like, you know, uh, Ray Seahorn or something in the middle of the night sleeping and having a dream and she's talking in her sleep and she's like, I'm going to die, you know, or or whatever, right? And just letting, bursting out something like, you know, I I talk in my sleep sometimes. I snore more in my sleep, but I talk in my sleep. I can just imagine if someone said something crucial, you know, and it, it got leaked or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I, that's, that's, that's the, uh, that's the thing I always say. And uh, anybody who I've ever, um, I'm not in a relationship right now, but anybody I've been in a relationship with, I'll say things like, I mean, I can't say anything, because, you know, I wouldn't want to know someone else's, like, work secrets. No. Because what if we get kidnapped? And what if it's like, I've seen too many movies, where it's like, you know, they're, you know, they, they, they kidnap your family or your significant other. So. Uh, so that they can find out how a TV show ends. I I mean, I don't know, maybe that's not actually happening, but, but that's the fear. And I'm sticking to it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell anybody
2: anything. I totally had this vision a while back when Tom was on, Tom come back on as a, as a return guest and he had all, all uh well, 12. He had 12 uh, sets of the index cards. One, he was there was 13 obviously. And there's one he had aside cause he was still writing it, but I could picture Liam Neeson, like you know, breaking into Tom's house, you know, and he's, you know, he's going to find, he's going to find the index cards and, you know, and Tom's going to go missing and all this kind of stuff. But obviously, Oh th-
1: no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Maybe we could work you on know, that idea.
1: I haven't seen Tom in a while. Now that you say that, uh
2: oh, okay. Now this I, could be a problem. It could. All right, let's find out where Liam Neeson is. You know? Oh no, taken. Is, is it taken part four or something like that? Tom's been taken. Yeah,
1: Tom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love. I
1: it. love that. That that's the stakes. The stakes just get lower and yeah, lower. No, it's better call cool, Saul cards. It's not. It's not. How do I save my daughter and family? It's like how do we get these index cards?
2: I know, because fans are going to kill that's us, record. kill you guys, if we don't get yeah. the season out there. Exactly. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Oh, this is a great a great way to start the show. So we've got some uh, fantastic Super Chats and Paytale, PayPal donations coming in. Thank you to both uh, Karina and uh, Andrea over in Germany and uh, Karina here in North America uh, and the USA. And uh, so thank you for that. And Super Chats as well. First one coming in from uh, Dilly Diamonds says, Chris, I beg of you, please give us two plus hours podcast episodes for the final season. Also, <laughs> do you record all the podcast episodes in one weekend or over several weeks? Great question. And first of all, for those uh, that don't know, too, let's, let's keep that question. And uh, I'm sure everyone knows. But for those that don't, the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, which I love. So tell us about that and, and maybe with uh, Dilly's question there, too.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The backstory of that is that I, I am the co-host of the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, where it was started by Kelly Dixon the editor who I mentioned before when I lost my train of thought um, and she started it on breaking bad season two, I think. And she had to convince uh, Vince Gilligan to do it because podcasts were pretty new. I mean, they have been around. I, I mean, I'm, I'm an early adopter on podcasts. Like probably it's a, it's, a, it's probably too much a part of my life, mm-hmm. but um Anyway, so sh- so Vince was like, why would I want a podcast? Like, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear us talk about an episode. And they did one. And by the end of, of like an hour, Vince, apparently, according to Kelly, Vince was like, we got to do this for all of them. Like, we got to, you know, go back. We'll do, they never, I don't, they, they never did season one of Breaking Bad. They didn't like, go backwards. Mm-hmm. But from that point on, they did it every season. And it's, I mean, it's, it's free. Nobody's getting paid. Everybody's doing it on their own, you know, free time but and it's free to listen and 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 it's just it's really it's a really like if you want to know how the sausage is made it's definitely like a a deep dive and vince and peter are on almost every episode i think peter's been on every episode um and then we usually have um we usually have uh, the writer of the episode. Uh, we try to get the director. And then we often have like one of the actors or we have, you know, a, sort of a key crew member and um, Dilly Diamond. Is that the name? Yeah. Dilly Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, th- thanks for, <laughs> thanks for shouting out the podcast. Um, I don't think anybody really wants two hour episodes. Although I think we did have them on that last season of the Breaking Bad Insider. Um, they got really long um so i don't know it's it, like I, we could go forever mm-hmm. on it it's just we so jen carroll who's uh, a producer on the show uh and she and she on the on the tv show and mm-hmm. then she produces the podcast she's great she's awesome and uh have you had her on the gilliverse
2: no but we talk about probably at least once a week
1: oh you gotta get her on i'm trying she to has. i mean she i mean i don't even know how many of her stories she can tell but she's <laughs> she's got stories and she's a, she's just an amazing, uh, I mean, she's amazing at her job and she's an amazing human being. So yeah. she's a great person to have on, but, um, you know, we schedule these things cause everybody, we do them on Saturdays. Usually sometimes we've had to do them after, after hours, mm-hmm. uh, after at, at work even. when we're all exhausted Yeah, <laughs> and, and you can tell sometimes we like pop, we are podcasting after dark <laughs> and, um, it's all about availability. So, and, and asking someone to stick around for, you know, two to four hours, like, like it can be a kind of a big ask. Mm -hmm. So, so we, we, we do them as long as we can. They all, we always have to stop. Like we could just keep talking because the, the biggest criticism we get of the show is of the podcast, not of the TV show is that, is that it's just like a bunch of people congratulating each other and telling each other how good they think they are yeah. at their own at, you know it's like oh you're so great no you're so great and and I, you know what you're hearing is legitimate and genuine enthusiasm sure. of people who, who really like each other and really like working together and you know I, I imagine that that could maybe be what like know, it could be annoying to listen to. It's like you and me
2: coming out of the bar at 3 I a.m. I love you, man. I love you, man. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Except if we came out of the and we were like college roommates. Yeah, yeah. And we just knew each other super well and and got, you know, felt felt lucky to have the opportunity to work with each other. So um uh what was the other part of that question? Are we can have two hour podcasts. Yeah and then do you also re, do you but record all the podcasts?
2: Yeah do you record oh, all the po-
1: yeah we we usually do them <clears throat> we try to do at least two at a time. And sometimes we do three at a time and that's a, that's tough because at that point, we know we start at like nine in the morning on a Saturday after we've, you know, been working all week. And then, um, you know, those, you know, and the, the, usually I think we slot, we've slotted them generally in like 90 minute segments. Mm -hmm. Um, Nothing ever starts on time because, you know, people, straggle in and then and then they go long because we're just talking and and you know there's no there's no you know we don't have segments or any kind of format for the podcast it's just kind of a free-form conversation Mm -hmm. and you know it's uh it's it's uh uh, by the time we're done because we take a break after two of them and then we do another one and then we've been there for like six hours, it's a long time, seven hours sometimes. Yeah. And then, and then it's a lot more for me to edit because I also edit them, which, um, and mix them. And I know it, now it doesn't sound like, I mean, I'm no audio professional, but I do the best I can with the two, with the tools I have. And so, you know.
2: It's a, it's a job. It's a long, that's a long job. Like I don't do near the editing when my audio podcasts go up to the internet, but it's, there's substantial work there. And I think you're doing a good oh, yeah. thing. I, I think, and you know, I've had fans say the same thing too. Go, go 90 minutes, go two hours, whatever. And I've adopted this long before I even started doing the Gilliver show with all my music shows. I do 60, I used to do 90 minutes for some of the other shows, but this has been 60 minutes and I'm sure people would love to sit here and listen to you for three hours or Carlo for three hours. But if we did that, let's say I go three hours with you tonight and the fans would love it you've given us everything right you know and then you know what are we going to talk about next time i'd like to have you back so we do 60 All minutes. Right. you know thank you bam you know we're done and people are like oh man we didn't get to talk about this we didn't get to talk about this so that means you come back and i just that's been my leave way We've am wanting more yes exactly right yeah you know I'm a, I'm a rock and roller so i you know what it's like right you don't give them your whole your whole album you give them a couple of hits and and, a, and something you're working on but yeah, here's a, a super chat from and one of our members, from Jen Stevens. Uh, I thought Hi, your, Jen. I thought your work on season five of call Saul episode seven, JMM, was brilliant. What was your biggest challenge oh. working on it?
1: Oh, wow. Thank you. That's really nice of you to say. And I'm sure that Melissa Bernstein, who directed that episode, would also appreciate hearing that. Um, Melissa, she's one of the executive producers of the show, mm-hmm. and it was, the, it was her directorial debut, first time she directed uh, I think anything I think we talked about that on the podcast okay and, and she just like knocked it out of the park um, what was the most challenging thing boy that's 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 a tricky question because um, <laughs> what can I say uh, I, I mean the trickiest part usually some of the hardest stuff is is getting things to time, mm-hmm. getting things in kind of like a, a shape. Cause we, we have, there, there are thresholds above which we cannot go, um, time-wise, but, um, you know, they've been, luckily are, you know, the, the people who Sony and AMC have been very, um, they've been great about some of these episodes being longer and, uh, so that's really good, but I'm trying to think uh, of, of like a difficult scene, just because. Okay, like I, of the scene with um, what well, if, if people haven't seen season five? I don't want to totally spoil it, so I'll I'll speak vaguely. Uh, it's a scene involving Gus, and there's a hotel room, mm-hmm. and there are two other characters from the past, mm-hmm. and you know tonally, there it's. It's ultimately more about what's not said, and I think that that kind of thing, like writing, directing, editing, when when the thrust of something is the absence of information or the absence of a reaction, um, that that can be really. It, it's just it's it's trickier, and you know it, it's also a lot of that happens all the time on this show. I I remember there's a scene in uh, episode 209 um, and it's Jimmy, it's sort of in the aftermath. Chuck has figured out that Jimmy, um, he he thinks he figured out that Jimmy switched the numbers on his thing and made him look crazy in court. Mm -hmm. And he's confronting him and everything he's saying pretty much is true, but it sounds crazy. And Jimmy is denying it. And Kim is there. And She doesn't say a word, and it's like a seven-minute scene. Yeah, and and uh, it's and that Peter Peter Gould dir- uh, wrote and directed that episode um, fantastically. And I cut that scene, and th- there there's so much material. And but with 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 Kim with Ray, she's she she says she has like one or two lines, but she is very much a huge part of the scene and so but she's and she's giving nothing mm-hmm. but the nothing that she's giving has to tell you everything and so it, it that that stuff is really hard and i would say that 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 particular scene in 507 was um was was difficult to get the tone right but you know when you have really good actors you know you, mm-hmm. you're gonna find you'll find it eventually and when it's and it's well written so
0: I like
2: that. That's a good. That's a good example, and something I could maybe for some of our musician friends that may be watching because we are a music channel. It's like your role, um, the role of the editor, is could be compared to let's say a musician, a drummer who has a twenty-piece drum kit. Just because you have a, tw- a twenty-piece drum kit doesn't mean you have to hit every drum, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great analogy. That's that's something. Yeah, that's something that I, I when I talk to other editors or aspiring editors too. It's like you know the, just because you have every shot doesn't mean you're required to use every single shot mm-hmm. it's I mean, it, it's it's about choosing the right place to be for the story at that moment and you know on a show like this and on breaking bad you have this embarrassment of riches where you have you know too many good options
2: yes so, yes so
1: it makes our job harder but it also you know, makes the scenes a lot better.
2: And, and more rewarding. So Agreed. Agreed. Here is a two-part question. This is a super chat from Adam Strickler. Adam's been a great supporter of the show. Thank you, Adam, for the super chat. So he asked, Hello, the first question he asked, and then I'll go over to his super chat, he's, what is your favorite go-to snack when you're editing? You know, so that's cool. Think about that one for a second. And uh, it could be a chocolate bar, could be chips. Uh, and at his second part of the question is, uh, where did you get your experience? And is there any such thing as a linear or non- or is there any such thing as linear or lon- non-linear anymore? Uh, what's the t- Teddy Bear's name. Well, we got lots of questions from Adam. But we'll see if we can answer those.
1: Wow. Wow, so that's a three-part question, Adam, and I don't appreciate it. Um <laughs> we no, do some let's editing see. Uh linear editing, I I'm I believe, if my memory serves correctly, refers to film editing. And that's it's linear in that you have this piece and you tape it to this piece. And then you tape it to this piece and then you run it through a machine and it's it's it only goes one way whereas nonlinear, sky's the limit you know you you can take this over here put this together oh just undo it oh let's just let's save this and do something else to it you have you know unlimited options to 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 a degree and um which is both wonderful and and terrible because when you I, I was told, I don't know that this is true, but I was a long time ago, I was told uh, by my friend Matt Wiesinger, uh, who I'm sure he's, I don't think he's watching, but it's fine. Hi, Matt. Uh, that the, the word decide comes from the Latin, which means to kill your options. Ah. And so that's a big part of, I mean, the, the decision making it starts in the writing and the directors, they have to make decisions. They kill their options. They only, they, they have this, they give us a finite number of options. And then it's up to us to, again, further whittle down to kill those options and only find the best pieces. Um, so, so yeah. And so in a, I, I feel lucky that I, I did get to have some experience cutting on film a long time ago. I was in a, I was, a it was a PA technically, um, in, uh, on John sales movie called sunshine state. Okay. But I learned, and then we were cutting on film. Uh, I don't know if John, if he still cuts on film, but, um, he was then. And it was, it was amazing. And, you know, we, I got, I learned how to sync the tracks and, and, and use this machine, this made coding machine that would, that would, it was gross and it would, it would smell terrible uh-huh. and it would code the, the mag track, the magnetic uh, sound track, and it would code it so that it would be in sync with the picture in case you ever like lost it. Cause you know, everything had to happen. It was, everything was manual. Everything was linear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel lucky that I got to do that because you learn, I think you learn the importance of a cut when you're actually working with film Um, but also with nonlinear editing, you learn that you don't have to necessarily be precious with it. And you can, you can, you can take any chance. I mean, that's the best part about nonlinear editing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Snacks, cheese, um, probably too much um, <laughs> i i try to stay away i've been this year i've been re, I'm trying hard and i can't say i'm succeeding entirely it's staying away from like fruit snacks and i don't mean fruit i mean you know basically candy that yeah, yeah. they call fruit snacks yeah. so um and i try dr- i drink a lot of sparkling water i got probably during the pandemic got into a really bad habit of like getting most of my hydration from like Waterloo and Lacroix sparkling water and mm-hmm. that's it's uh, not great it's too much too much bubbles too mm-hmm. many bubbles um, try to think of other cereal I like to eat just cereal I love cereal and just you know I'll eat it dry just kind of snack in yeah. it I really love. Love cereal.
2: Well, fantastic. I'm drinking a sparkling water tonight too out of a coffee mug. It's a Canadian thing. It's a uh, Montelier. You got to look it up. It's quite good. It's mm. really, really good. I like that. I like that better than just a normal water. Um, oh, the
1: bear. Mike, that's Mike Bearman Trout. Mike Bearman Trout. Uh, he has been with us since the beginning of the, or since season one or two. And if you're a listener to the Better Call Saul Insider podcast, um, you'll know that, that Mike Behrman Trout uh, is very real. And he uh, he contributes to the podcast. Anytime anybody like this, especially Vince and Peter, when they don't remember, they, they they're they having a hard time remembering a fact or like, where did we shoot that? Who, you know, who helped us out with that? To Mike. Uh, they'll ask Mike and Mike will, he, Mike's got all the answers okay. and it's Mike Behrmantraut. He's my editorial assistant.
2: I think I've seen some photos on Twitter a couple of different times, someone holding him.
1: He is in fact he is on he's in most of the podcast pictures yeah. and he is he is also on Twitter at at m bearman trout and he's on Instagram at mike bearman trout okay and uh, you should he's uh he's been he's been in hibernation for a little bit but you know we're back at work now so good get him out I think he he just might be uh he just might start <laughs> posting more stuff
2: good I'll follow him for sure I'm not following either account so I'll do that for sure on both uh, both platforms right. awesome uh here's a question from zoco santo says how long was uh, the editing for bagman uh no do you did you you didn't edit bagman did you
1: i i didn't no. but i mean i know i mean that i think it's been discussed that that episode was pretty epic um and i i, I mean you should definitely have skip on skip mcdonald and, and and joey reinish um joey is another one of our editors joey Joey Reinish was my assistant in season four, and we also worked together on Lodge Forty Nine, mm-hmm. and uh, which is another great show, highly recommended. And uh, he then, because of schedules, he then went and worked with Skip on El Camino, and now he's working with Skip uh, since season five uh, as his assistant, and then they co-edited Bagman. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a. I mean, it's. It's, it's just epic. And I, I, I know that the <clears throat> we don't get any more time necessarily just because an episode is huge. As an editor, we get, you know, we, we start editing as soon as we get the footage, which usually is the next day after they shoot. And then um, we get, uh, you know, a couple of days after they finish shooting or after we get the last footage to put it all together and, and we present it to the director. And then the director usually gets five days, which is a DG or four days, excuse me. Um, uh, and on that one, I think it's a little different. I think Vince, uh, you know, as as the co-creator and as executive producer, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I believe he had, you know, more time than that. But I mean, that episode was just, it was just epic.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The
1: schedule was epic. The episode was epic. So, and it's a it's a really good one.
2: It is. Well, I've noticed, especially with um, seasons four and five, you're pretty much editing every other episode. So, is that is that done in a process? So, your colleagues were like, you're working on one, your colleague works on the other, like that. So you can be working on a couple episodes at the same time, but not all on you.
1: That's correct. And and the way that's kind of, that's a TV thing. Mm-hmm. But the the difference with this show and almost every other TV show is that we don't do our producers cuts generally until after we're done shooting generally Mm -hmm. and normally on a show that's why in a normal show you have three or four editors in a rotation because you do your cut then you work with the director and then you work with the producers and then you work with the studio and the network and then you're done with the episode on this show we do our editor's cut. We work with the director, and then boom, we're right back into an editor's cut. And so it's just this constant thing. And then you know we are working with the producers, the the showrunners to you know some. There's a lot of questions because mm-hmm. they, you know, we're everything. It's it's a very fluid situation, uh, film and television production, especially television, because you're telling this ongoing story, and you you know you you have your plans. And sometimes you have to shift those plans. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's incumbent on the editor to be up to camera, as we say, which means we've we're basically we're caught up. We're not we're we are not we we do not have like a million scenes to, to still to cut and that we haven't looked at. So when the director says, Hey, how'd that scene look? we don't say, well, I don't know. Hey, yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy. I, I haven't seen it yet. So that's, that's probably the worst answer you could give to any question.
2: Mm-hmm. Get that wheel rolling. It's got get once it's rolling, it stays rolling. Anytime there's idleness, there's problems. That's right. Yeah. For sure. Well, you know what? You and I talked about this. This is probably a good, a good time to mention it. And this is, we can delicately touch on this subject. I know the fans will love this. And because the question come up about editing, um, do you have some footage in front of you? I mean, not to show us, of course, but do you have footage on your uh, editing machines right now?
1: Yeah. Let me share the screen real quick. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. We're, 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 you know, as you, like I said, I'm in, I'm here in my, in my, my fancy office. Uh, yeah. We're, we're cutting away and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm really excited Good. for people to see that some really great stuff and and I mean it's it's cool cuz I'm also I even though I, I started working on the show in the first season and but I'm still a fan of it.
2: That's great. But that we see I that still, a
1: lot. It's interesting because I the that that fear that I mentioned earlier of, of having the last season of Breaking Bad spoiled the way that it works is It was I mean, obviously I knew what was happening, but it was, it was like, it was different than watching it. It was like sort of like bathing in it. It was like being enveloped in the show. And I mean, that's kind of how working on it feels. And it's, it's a... it's not unpleasant. I like it. That's
0: good.
2: Well, there you go. I'm not sure if it's been said anywhere else, but if it hasn't been said, you've heard it here on Inside the Gilliverse. Uh, the editing is underway. That's fantastic. I'm very happy to hear that. Uh, I
1: hope I'm not breaking that news.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and from Pinterest Fail Mom, what episode or scene uh, that you've worked on are you most proud of? Is there a special little proud baby or proud father moment You know uh, that you're really, really proud of? Just It could be something simple, too.
1: Pinterest fail, mom. Yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah, good name, right?
1: Interesting. Oh man, I oh boy. I mean, there there are several that I'm. uh, You know what? No, that's actually that's easy. Uh, It's it's the last act of five oh nine from last season. Okay. Um, uh, Which
2: Tom Tom's episode?
1: Tom's episode, the one that we, that Joey, Joey Lou, yep. a lot of Joey's here. Uh, Joey Lou is, is my assistant now, and we co edited that episode. And that's the one that we, that we, uh, unbelievably, we won the ACE award. Congratulations, the, by the way, matches. on that. Thank you very much. It was, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was really <laughs> crazy. Um, I've been nominated for things before, and I've never won anything. And I, you know, I, it it was just it was surreal also it was virtual
0: yeah the, the
1: ceremony sort of like this yeah um but uh it, the weird part is like you had this exhilarating thing and then it was like well i guess i'm just i guess i'll just order pizza I, which is exactly what i did and i watched <laughs> a movie with some friends in vr we get together i have a group of friends and we watch movies in vr we've been doing it this whole pandemic and it is life saving but um yeah, that sequence, the whole and if you've seen the episode, I again I, I don't want to spoil it if because is season five even on Netflix yet? I don't know.
2: Uh, so I think some people are saying it in the United States, but not in Canada. But I can't confirm that. No, it's not in Canada.
1: Mm. But you, I mean, you've seen it. Yeah, and it's it, there's it's it's like it's like twenty minutes long, mm-hmm. and I remember reading it, and I just was so excited because I thought. If these actors bring their A-game, and Tom, of course, is going to bring his A-game, if everybody brings it, this is going to be such a special scene because it's so long and it's so tense and it just ratchets up. I mean, it's, it's, it's not – It's real. I, I hope it's tense. I find it tense mm-hmm. and I cut it. And that's unusual because you can see through all of it, and but everybody just did such a great job with it, and so it it makes my job easier <laughs> uh, when all the acting is great and the shots are great, and and of course the script was phenomenal, and uh, yeah, I love that I love that that whole sequence so much, and it was a it was a we had to really fight to keep it intact because it's so long. And it's way longer than an act of television, at least in the United States,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is usually allowed to be. And again, testament to our partners, our Sony and AMC, the fact that they they were like, great, let's let's figure out a way to make it work, and we did.
2: That's fantastic. Oh, that's that's great. Here's a question that could be kind of on the same wavelength as that, and maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum. This is from uh, Josh Gordon. Uh, was there ever a scene that you struggled over editing because every take of the performances were so good, but so different, and would it change the tone of the scene? So maybe the same one that you love could be one of the most difficult.
1: Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, I wouldn't say I had that problem with that sequence. Okay. But interesting i will say i mean i don't know if it would change the tone and then this show i mean better call Saul is definitely tonally i mean we we've we've definitely figured it out but it's it's a tonally it's a very strange show because it can be really funny and then just like incredibly (laughs) dramatic and, and devastating and and um so, uh, yeah, it, it, treading that line can be really difficult. I'm trying to think if there was anything on this show. I know, I will say, if, if you ever had like too much good stuff, I, the first scene I ever cut on that Kelly was like, she gave me a scene to cut on uh, episode uh, 509. It was the season premiere of the last eight of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very long scene between, uh, Walt and Jesse. It's where Walt comes and he, he hasn't seen Jesse in a while since, I mean, the, the, um, the thing with the Lily of the Valley, mm-hmm. that, you know, it happened and, to, and he go and Jesse's been in like a haze and he goes to bring him the money. It's basically like, this is yours. Like, it's good Try, He's trying to manipulate Jesse. And the, there's like, there's so much footage Every bit of it is good. And uh, Aaron Paul, who, you know, two, and Brian, like two amazing actors. And he did it kind he did, there were like a couple different ways you could go with it. Um, and it, so it was, it, that was, the, that was my first experience. I and mean, it was like trial by fire oh boy. of like, Holy God, there's so much good stuff and we can't be everywhere. Mm-hmm. We can't, we can't, it's not, I mean, it, it if the show was like 24 remember the show 24 oh, I do. they could have like boom boom like multiple cameras or you know multiple shots like if we could do that which we're not going to mm-hmm. but uh, or are we
0: yeah
1: um yeah that no we're not i don't think we are but um <laughs> but or are we <laughs> but yeah like but 20 you know you could you can't just be everywhere and so it that that was a very that was a difficult one because i had too much good stuff
0: Okay. That makes That's
1: s- a much better problem than not having enough good stuff. Oh, of course. Never happens on this show, but has certainly happened in my life.
2: Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever come to you and saying, uh, what can we do? We we got a hole here of seven seconds. What can we do? What can we do? No,
1: right. No, let's go.
2: Let's, we need some B roll run out there with your iPhone and grab something out in the desert. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a question from Mrs. Ignacio Varga. Uh, and this is a question, (laughs) this this is a good one as well too. And I had this on the list. Uh, obviously people want to know how you got into it. So she's asking, how did you get interested in your line of work?
1: Uh, You know, I I went to film school. I went to Loyola Marymount uh, here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I got out and was like, all right, you know, where are the directing jobs? I'm ready for my job directing, which is not, it's just not how directing works. Nobody's handing out directing jobs or placing classified ads or anything. And so um, I, one of the things that I had really, really enjoyed and excelled uh, at was editing and and then through again through my through my mom, uh, my mom grew up in um, uh, Massachusetts at, with uh, a, a big group of people who were in the sort of John Sales world and Maggie Renzi, his producer um, and and like creative and life partner, had always said like you know if Chris ever wants to work in the movies. And they had a job as this editing PA. And so I got, I was like, it was like nepotism for my first job. (laughs) And it was the best possible first job you could ever have. And I, so I was in an editing room on a movie in Florida and it, it was just, it was incredible. And I, I, I just, I learned from them and I knew, you know, this is something that I could do, you know, forever. And then, And then I, you know, I, I also, I got, I, again, I got super lucky in that I had a series of really great mentors and um, Kelly was of course, one of them. And before her, there was a guy named Brian Carroll who was uh, a producer on um, he sort of like ran post-production on Michael Mann uh, projects Mm -hmm. for a number of years and a chance interview uh, for a job sort of led like put me into his path. And then I worked on three Michael Mann well, ultimately four Michael Mann projects. I worked on a TV show he did called robbery, homicide division, which v- very coincidentally Vince Gilligan was a writer on this was in 2002. Wow. And, uh, it's right after the X-Files. Um, and, uh, and then I, I worked on Collateral and Miami Vice, the movie. And then uh, years later, uh, on the, the HBO, the pilot for the HBO series Luck, which is where I met Kelly.
2: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, Luck. Go figure, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have you know, there's there's an element of that. I mean, but also it's the, it's that thing. The, what, what does the word luck even mean? Mm-hmm. And the I think the the definition that I that makes the most sense to me is that it's that. It's opportunity meeting preparation, and it's being ready when the ball is thrown at you to catch it. Um, that's the extent of my sports uh, metaphors.
2: Okay, well, it makes sense. It's so all the
1: sports sense. you'll be hearing from me, but <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's 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 you know, you, a lot of times I've heard people complain. You know, I've 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 known people, I've had people in my life. Who felt very bitter that somebody's so lucky, somebody got an opportunity that they didn't get, and it's, it's natural for us to com- compare ourselves to other people. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's human nature, but but the, the, you don't know what else. You don't know. You, you may think somebody's an overnight success, but you don't know the the ten thousand hours that they put in that you didn't see.
2: Exactly. So.
1: That, that stuff is important, yep. like doing the work and, and, and really being um, driven and diligent and doing
2: the work. I agree. Well, and something on a very, very small level, I mean, something that fans might appreciate, you'll appreciate, I know. When I started doing these live streams, um, the, there's, a, there's a delay between the, the camera and the audio. There's an there's a offset, and, I, and you have to physically set it to get it right, um, You know, depending on your webcam and things like that. And I spent, no, no lie, probably a month of doing private live streams, clapping my hands, one, two, three. And then I would nudge by milliseconds to get my voice exactly in sync. 300 milliseconds is a, is a Logitech webcam. That's, a, that's the offset you have to have. And I had hours of that. And just so I could make it the best experience for the viewers, right? So, yeah, there's a lot of things that go behind making these things a success. Now, here's a good it's question. Glamorous. Yeah, I, I know, right? It's a glamorous world we live in. I know. I'm horrible at retelling a quote. I saw something on social media the other day. It was something from the late, great Heath Ledger. And I'm not going to re-quote his quote because unless I have it in front of me, I'm not going to read it. But this is a question from my beautiful Sandra Lee. Yeah, you know, there's things you're going, we're we're all going through COVID, the pandemic and things of that nature. You know, for the longest time, you're working from home. And her question is, are you happy doing what you do? getting through the the pandemic. You're working now again, but you know, at bottom line, are you happy doing what you do?
1: Um, boy, that's a, it's, I am happy. Yes. I am happy with what I do. Um, am I happy in general? I, I am actually, I, I, if you would ask me that question last year, uh, I'm sure a lot of people would probably have had the same answer, which is, uh, no, uh, I'm not happy.
2: <laughs> right. And, right.
1: Um, you know, through, through, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, personal reasons for professional reasons. I mean, 2020 for everybody. And I can, I can count myself in, in that group was, I mean, professionally was devastating. And, and, you know, I mean, God, I mean, I, I am, again, I'm lucky I'm healthy. I, I had the ability to stay safe and to not, you know, that's just to stay inside and to, you know, and to not go hungry and not, run out of water and, and, and not get sick. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I, I count the blessings there, but, but you know, that it, it you can, I think that it, you can, uh, if you, if you don't acknowledge the things that are difficult, I don't know, you can, you run the risk of.
2: Being swallowed up by it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so, which is again stuff I've learned.
2: Yeah, we're we're going through yeah. it right here, and I'm still able to put a smile on my face because I choose to. We, we rent here in Canada. We rent an old home here in Canada. Been here for six years, and that's where the studio is here in our house. And uh, landlords decided to cash in on this this COVID windfall, like a lot of realtors or, or real estate um, owners have, and selling the home for way more than what it's worth. And we got mm-hmm. our notice. We don't even know where we're going. Don't have another house yet. we we have mm-hmm. leads, but you know, it's a devastating time, you know, I'm in the middle of COVID, you know, as well too, but you know, I have faith, you know, um, and I put a smile on my face and I could, I could sit around in a fetal position all day long and, and not know what we're going to do. And we still don't know what we're going to do, but I choose to be happy and that I think it's better than the alternative.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I just, I, not for different reasons, Mm -hmm. but I had, I also had to move fairly recently and, and not, that not knowing where you're going to land is, is, um, it could just creates so much anxiety. And then also, you know, we've all been collectively, we've been through this and we've separately collectively been through this weird trauma mm-hmm. and we don't even know how it's affected our, our us because we've just like, I got to get through, I got to do the thing I got to get. And, and, you know, we're, I think it's, we're going to be of sort of unpacking these lingering effects yeah, for a while.
0: Yeah,
2: that's a good way to put it for sure. I think when this is all said and done, uh, we as a, a species have r- learned the decades of knowledge You know, in a very short couple of years.
1: That's for sure.
2: It's insane. I'm going to jump over to the audio portion here, where we've got uh, questions from our members. So, if people, if you want to join in and send questions, not obviously not for tonight, but there's a join button down below. Hit that button, and you get other perks on our channel as well. But you can send in voicemail for our our guests each week. So, this one here is from Nat Romero. She's from over in Barcelona, Spain. So, here Hello. is her question.
0: Hi, Chris Caleb This is Natalia Romero. I know that you're a wonderful editor but I feel that I know you more from your work on the Better Call Saul Insider podcast. I happened to discover the podcast just a couple episodes before season five ended and by then we were right in the middle of the pandemic. I just wanted to thank you and Kelly and of course Peter and Vince because you guys were my loyal companions during the hardest times of the quarantine. Hearing you guys talking about this great show made me feel less lonely and less afraid. So thank you so, so much. I'm really looking forward to hearing you on the sixth season of the podcast. Provided it's still on, did you start recording? Please say that you already started recording. Um, a big hug from Barcelona and keep on with the good work.
1: Awesome, big fan. Wow, that's really sweet. Thank you, Natalie. Is Nat- that Natalie Romero? Yeah, Natalie Romero. Thank you, Natalie. That that's really that's really that that makes me feel really good. Um, and I'm really glad that it that it helps that that's God, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, sort of, you've, you've, uh, Warm, fuzzy feeling, speechless right? a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, we, we have not started recording, but, um, because it's, you know, we're, we got to do the editing first, but I mean, unless that, all plans are to do it. Good. So, and, and we all love doing it and, and, um, You know, so there, you know, where we've been thinking about some other, some other things about the podcast, you know, the, just sort of the fact that we've become accustomed to this Zoom world Mm -hmm. or, or, or remember when we said Skype, Yeah, we we were talking about that a little bit before we started. I think like, like I had never heard of Zoom and now I keep forgetting to cancel my Zoom subscription uh, they got me for 16 bucks a month every month since last May. Get yeah. out of here, Zoom. <laughs> but, um, and this episode is brought to you by Zoom. It's there you not, go. but uh, here we are on Zoom. And Zoom, help So, us yeah, out. but we've been talking about like some different ways to do certain elements of the podcast. But the, the plan is still, hopefully, you know, because we're a ways off to be able to all be in a room together because yeah. we do have very strict COVID protocols in in our offices and in our productions i mean i'm not wearing a mask right now because i'm alone in my room yeah this huge crazy room but if i leave this room i wear a mask everybody's wearing a mask if i have someone else in the room we're both wearing masks so um you know it's it's uh even though you know i think you know we're i think everybody's vaccinated so
2: okay that's good yeah Yeah. I heard Trying you, to stay safe. That's good. I know Tom had told me about uh, getting the vaccination a while back, and that was good. So good, to, good to know. We're going to be getting here our family soon in Canada too, so we're, I'm mm-hmm. definitely looking forward to that. Uh, so next question. Oh, actually, no, before I go to the next audio question, thank you to a, a great attentive fan. Zoko is reminding me about the question and I, I really hate missing this question. So the Gillaverse is this imaginary little place we take off into a rocket ship every, every Friday at nine o'clock Eastern. We get in this little ship. It's tiny. It only holds about 50 people. We get in there and we fly off into this Giliverse universe and it has a substantial smell. All right, could be good, could be sweet, could be horrible. And it's two things. And this is Tom Schnau's. This is Tom Schnauz's creation. In the Gillaverse, it smells like this and this. So I'm going to ask you right now, what do you think it smells like when we get there?
1: Well, I mean, I can tell you definitively what it smells like because here I am.
2: Okay, In the
1: Gillaverse. I'm I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm all the way in it here. And, and, uh, And it's definitely, it's apples and cinnamon.
2: Mm. and hmm uh, i like it though i like that i like both i was
1: wrong i guess i was wrong i was wrong cinnamon top apples and cinnamon yeah it's like a warm apple pie yeah that's what it's that's that's where we're at and uh mm. it's it's like it's it's comforting it's a little sweet but it's also there's a crunch to it um if you have the 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 orb even better like an apple crisp I'm not really a crust guy, but I like I like a topping, like a buttery, sugary topping. Like get a little crunch, get crispy. It's really nice.
2: So I guess if it's crispy, we wouldn't want an apple cobbler, you know? We wouldn't want to be. We would not know apple cobbler was crisp, right? No
1: apple cobbler. No way. No way. <laughs>
2: well, this, the true answer from the Schnauz School of Smells is bacon and fear. <laughs> Tom puts bacon on cereal, you know, I mean, it's bacon, bacon, bacon. And here as a Canadian, it's in our, it's in our DNA.
1: I mean, but this is case in point. He's on the other side of the, of the office. Like I'm over here and I, I can tell you, I mean, there's a candle right there. I can tell you definitively it's apples and cinnamon. I at dig least it. on this side of the Gilliverse
2: okay well sure. I, I'm going to run with that because I like that I, and no no offense yeah. to Tom I love bacon uh, and fear can be uh, Larry Hankin was talking about this last week and he was on fear can really smell horrible when you you know you're nervous and you got that fear smell that's horrible uh, but I like apples and cinnamon so thank thank you Zokos, yeah. for reminding me of that one we'll add that to our collection <laughs> of, of questions we've got two more audio questions to go before we wrap up this one is from Karina and Karina also confirmed by text a moment ago um, season 5 is not on Netflix in the US either so we're still waiting for that as well so here's
0: Karina's question Hi Chris, this is Karina Nobody does montages better than Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul You said they are a big collaboration between all of you and I think that is what makes them so outstanding Would you say that the montages are some of the most difficult scenes to edit and do you have a favorite montage from either show? Also a huge congratulations
2: on your Ace Award win for Bad Choice Road
1: Karina you said?
2: Karina, that's correct
1: Karina, thank you very much for the question, I, and uh, and thanks for the congratulations. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, it, it's they can be very difficult. I mean, the thing the thing that can make them difficult is that a lot of times, sometimes a montage is written very specifically, like the pieces and the way that they go, and then sometimes it's like there's a montage of a bunch of things, and then you take what the director shoots and and then you try to do something that's, that's you, you create shape to something that is inherently formless. And I, there are two that stick out in my head as being very difficult. One of which I was involved with though, I all 100% of the credit goes to Kelly Dixon, um, which was in 207, Inflatable. It's the inflatable man montage, Mm. which it's for me is like one of my favorite things from the show. And, and we cut that episode together, but, and, and, but we, and we would, we would try to do different things, but we were having all these, these, it was trying to find like, what is this? And there must've been, I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, 50 different approaches to it. Wow. And, and then they would, we would say like, could we, then they'd shoot more stuff and they wrote more stuff. And, 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 and then I went off and I, cause I was editing on, I think on Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, cause I, so I had to leave the season a little bit early and that episode wasn't quite done, except the montage, especially. And it was like a hail Mary, like last minute, like Kelly, like figured it out. I'm telling Kelly's story. She should tell her own story, but um, she's, a, she would be an amazing guest by the way. I'd love to have her. Yeah. Uh, the um uh yeah so she and she figured she did like it it was like a well how about this and it it led to i think one of the most exciting things of the whole show where where you really get he you get a taste of saul goodman which yes I love. and then for me it was um the five the montage in 501 uh the with the uh, when jimmy um this, I guess this won't be too much of a spoiler, but he's, you know, he sold all these cell phones and now he's going to be Saul. And so he has this, this like, you know, hell's carnival of where he's like giving out cell phones to say, I'm a lawyer and you can call me with this free cell phone. Mm -hmm. And that montage was really challenging. Um, And because there were just a lot of different, um approaches to it that everybody was taking Mm -hmm. and and it was similar to the inflatable one where it was like this didn't work okay let's try this and this didn't work this isn't it this isn't it and then we finally hit on what it was and we and and we shot a bunch of more bells Mm -hmm. tom actually shot those just so many bells different bells and we built this the bells and then uh, had the idea to build this sort of audio cacophony as it, it would build and build with the bells and you just feel like this, you experienced this night with Jimmy. Uh, that one was really challenging, but also I, I really, I loved where we came at the end, how it, how it turned out.
2: I can just imagine the footage you'd have for a couple of those episodes. And and uh, Inflatable is one of my favorites for several reasons as well, too. Number one, the first time we get to see the colorful, well, not the first, but kind of the first, we get to see the colorful side of, uh, of Saul Goodman and, and Jimmy McGill. Um, as I told you off the air, too, our sponsors at bobbleheads.com, they created a new Saul Goodman figure based on that episode where he's got the kind of the salmon colored, you know, suit. So that came from that. Plus one of our guests we had on the show a couple cool. weeks back, uh, Julie Pru- Suzanne Erickson. Uh, that was her first introduction to the show so a lot of good things about that episode so very well done on that one I'll go to Lori's question next that's our last audio question and then since we talked about audio there's a good question from Mike (coughs) Fogg if it's pronouncing it right Foggout so we'll talk about that and we'll wrap up so here's Lori's question make sure I have it right here she comes
0: Hey there, Chris. This is Lori. I know that you've done stand-up, so I was wondering if you got to meet Norm MacDonald the night you opened for him at Comedy Car Hole. Also, when was the last time you had a chance to do stand-up? Thanks very much.
2: Good question.
1: Lori? Yeah. How did you know that I did... How did, First of all, how do you know about the Comedy Car Hole? And that I... That I? <laughs> that's crazy. The Comedy Car Hole just very quickly was a... It was like a speakeasy comedy club that some people that I knew ran at, out of their house, out of their garage, literally the car hole. And they attracted, it was on the West side. So it's hard to get people to go to the West side, Santa Monica um, uh, of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, but comedians would go because it was a really like hot audience as far as comedy went and they were ready to laugh. And it was always full cause it was free. And, and then they sold beer for whatever, $5, all you can drink beer, whatever, it's fine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's so crazy um, that you know that. It, it's been a very long time since I did stand-up. Now I, I, I keep my comedy mostly to trying to entertain um, the people that I work with. And the my bosses, and then and then you know I, I try I try to inject some humor into the podcast when when whenever I can. But but uh, but I'm glad that you asked me that question because I miss it. And I've been I was talking with a really good friend recently about how much I miss comedy, and and uh, it's it's the it's the thing I listen to the most. Um, and Joe DeRosa, Rosa, who's uh, uh, the veterinarian on Better Call Saul, uh, he's one of my favorite, like hands down favorite comedians. And those first couple seasons of this show, Better Call Saul, it was just a lot of crazy hours, long hours. And I would listen, I had a long commute and I would listen to his albums just over and over again. And they got me through, I love comedy. That's so wild. Uh, I did not get to meet Norm Macdonald. I didn't get to meet Kumail Nanjiani when he was there or Tig Notaro. Uh is usually those people like they showed up and they went on stage and they left. Gone. Um, but uh but everybody was was cool. I mean everybody was there was nobody who we were like, uh eh, yeah. like person. Yeah. But uh I, I have also and then I another time I ate next to Norm McDonald, like one table over that's was cool. with his family. Yeah. I didn't want to bother him. No. But um I didn't say we did comedy together because that's not that's yeah. not you don't want to do that. No, you want to, you don't want to get into it like
2: that. Well, I hope you do get to do it again. And, you know, it's so weird. We got to experience for a little bit there when when the onset of COVID came in. A lot of these stand-up comedians, I know one, per, for example, um, kind of a fan of everyone inside the Gillaverse, uh, Pat Oswalt. He's friends with you guys and, and the crew and stuff like that. And I remember seeing he was doing uh, going to do a first, his first virtual comedy. And there was a lot of comedians following. And you know, I'm not saying he was the first, but um, maybe one of. And it's so tough, you know, and musicians as well, too. I hosted some live concerts where people were performing on my show um, and it was a benefit concert. And you don't have that reaction of the laughter. You know, you like you throw out a joke and you're just hoping someone on the end of the Zoom screen appreciates it. That's got to be a real challenging thing for an artist to do. You know,
1: uh, every comedy podcast I've listened to during the pandemic, they anybody who's done those Zoom shows, they all say the same thing. It's like, yeah, you tell a joke and it's just silence where you hear like, <laughs> you know, yeah. just like weird, broken, garbled stuff. And yeah, and yeah, it's tough. It's, but I'm glad that things are, you know, clubs are opening up. I've seen some outdoor comedy. Yeah. Um, the car hole, I guess, technically would have been outdoor comedy. Okay. Um, so, so, but they, they sort of like you, they, the owner of, they were renting and the owner of the house sold the house. so oh. they
2: had to move. Yeah, and
1: they moved to the va- somewhere deep in the valley, and they had a waterfall by their pool. And they tried to have the comedy waterfall, but it was too far, yeah. just way too far to go. So.
2: Oh, bummer. Well, two last questions. The last, very last one will be mine and I'll set it up for you so you can think about it for a second. Um, My son has turned me, Eric Jr., he's turned me on to a lot of bands that I would have never listened to, uh, a lot of content that I would have never have watched and he turned me on to Rhett and Link, uh, Good Mythical Morning and I'd love, uh, after you answer the fans question here, a viewer's question, maybe tell us about your involvement with them and we'll wrap up Um, but this is a question from Mike Falgoat and I apologize if I'm pronouncing it wrong. How many rough cuts are done before a final edit is released? We touched base on. little bit and how is the collaboration with dave porter regarding music tracks as you're cutting scenes
1: great that's a that's a good question um the first one is uh (laughs) it depends on the scene uh depends on the the episode Uh, we sometimes there are a, a you know hundreds of permutations sort of like we were talking about with the different montages so many versions that you just you'll never see and and sometimes you do a version that you just love you fall in love with nobody gets to see it um that's just sort of the nature of editing like you try things you sometimes they fail sometimes they're they they surprise you you do something exciting so um it would be i don't think that there's like a a binary way to say like, it's this number, but uh, you'd, you'd be, you'd probably be shocked how many weird little sequences are in the bins uh, that, you know, it's like this, with this different shot or with this now, now he waves, now he doesn't wave stuff like that. Um, As far as Dave Porter, so we, what, what I love about this show, is uh, unlike a lot of other shows, we don't temp music in. And uh, we, we make, except for the montages, a lot of times, you know, you'll, you got to cut to a song or something like that. Uh, and I believe with one exception, Dave Porter hasn't really, we haven't really temped with Dave Porter stuff. Uh, I think there was one episode where we did, and I, I don't remember if we've talked about it or not, so I probably shouldn't say which one it is. But um, but not that it's gonna not that it will change the world to know that information. But um, but Dave, we we do these spotting sessions, these like really long spotting sessions with the sound department and with Dave, and I love Dave. And he's great. He's uh, just a yeah. Again, it's it's the uh, this is this is why people, (laughs) the complain about our podcast is that people make, Oh man, I love the work you do. And you're such a great person. He is. And Dave's a, Dave's just a phenomenal human being. So Dave, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of school that he doesn't even read the script. He just watches the cut for the first time so he can feel it. Mm -hmm. And we don't put any music in, which is really unusual. And what I, I, and what I love about this show is that, and Breaking Bad, is that y- the scene has to work without score. Mm-hmm. And so then we sit there and we just watch the thing and we go scene by scene and we stop, and we talk about sound. And then, you know, Peter would, you know, would say like, you know, I'll, I'll turn to the man to my left and he'll t- talk to Dave and... Um, and, and Dave will say, I don't know that I hear music here. Or, or he'll say like, yeah, I could feel like there'd be this or there'd be that. Maybe he talked about it when he was on, I don't know. But, but um, and and the thing that I would say about Dave, and I've told him this to his face, is that he, so there was a scene that I edited in, in Breaking Bad in the Granite State, the penultimate episode of the series. It's when Jesse escapes from the, know the Aryan, uh, you know the prison that he's in Mm -hmm. underground and the whole it's so tense and it it worked no music and then dave added all this music and at my first first reaction was i was i was mad i didn't want that and now i mean i can't imagine it without it it's perfect it's so good I mean, Dave has the best instincts, and that's what's that's what's great about a collaboration is people bring something to it that you didn't necessarily have in mind, and it makes it better. And that's again being lucky to work with really, really you know talented artists.
2: Fantastic. And Dave has shared so many stories, you know, how some of these things come to life. He's, he's a genius. He is coming back actually, by the way, he was on the show before it was inside the was back on my rock shop live show where we, uh, you know, interviewed a bunch of uh, composers and, and musicians and things of that nature. And he's quite busy at the moment, but he is coming back probably in about six weeks. So we'll see Dave awesome. back on the show. A good rapport awesome. with Dave. Yeah. And so let's take a quick second. I know we're a little bit over time, but just a quick second to touch base on uh, big fantastic and how, what that is and the involvement with Rhett and link, those guys, I mean, And kudos to those guys for starting off in the basement kind of deal into where they went.
1: So we big fantastic is separate from Rhett and Link. Although we were contemporaries, I, I I stepped aside from editing for about five years and with three other filmmakers uh, started a company and we, we wrote and produced and directed um, short form, mostly drama series on the internet. And uh, we were just a little like a few years too early Um, but we had a lot of success early and we, we, we did series with Michael Eisner and with Warner brothers and, and we, we shot stuff in India. I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was, it was like living our dreams and it just financially, it just didn't work out. And we kind of, at a certain point all had to go back to our day jobs and, um, sort of towards the end of that, because I had done that, um, I, when Rhett and Link uh, were doing their TV series, Commercial Kings, they needed to continue feeding their channel, their main channel, because that's their business. I mean, that's their, like, livelihood. And those, uh, and the, the talk about some of the nicest guys, the best guys, and, like, what you think you see, <laughs> it's exactly what you see. They're oh, nice. They're the best. Uh, uh, and so th- I was introduced to them and we met and I edited their um, road trip series. It was when they moved their families out to California and so that they could, you know, make a go at this mm-hmm. and make this television series. And, and it was such an awesome collaboration with them because uh, they, they shot all this stuff. And then I, was tasked with kind of like figuring out like, well, what if we did this or what if we did that? And how can we tell this story? And, you know, uh, they being like excellent storytellers and they know their thing, they know exactly their thing. And um, yeah, that, they're, I, I can't say enough good things about them. And, and then a couple of years later to th- when they opened uh, Mythical Studios, Mythical Productions, they have like a space mm-hmm. a production space where they where they had been doing um good mythical morning and and um or where they would eventually do good mythical mm-hmm. morning and and uh it was just so exciting to see that they had built their this world around themselves and uh i, I couldn't be happier for those guys they're great guys
2: good for them and i know and uh, kudos to you as well too they were in good hands with you to take on that you know that uh, series as well too you know, that's nice.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Thank uh,
2: you. I, I really like those guys as well too. Like some of their skits they do, like Will It Sandwich, you know, and you know, different things like that. And some of the you know, some of the things that weren't edible, but they would they would try to see if they could eat them and <laughs> oh, just some crazy, crazy things. And of course, being a yeah. musician, I liked always seeing the nice fancy PRS guitars and fancy stuff in the back walls and it was pretty cool.
1: They're they're really good musicians too. Are they? I mean, the songs that they would write. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're 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 commercial they would they would they the way that they became viral is that they were making these commercials and that's how they got their tv show and uh it was uh the, yeah if you search out look at if, look up their ad for butt drugs okay uh that sounds like a joke
2: yeah
1: link. real place it's so a yeah. real business okay and uh yeah red link are the best
2: awesome well thank you for sharing the story on that as well too and listen we're, we've kind of run a little bit over time but I wanted to cordially invite you back and we'll get Kelly on as well too we'll reach out to Kelly but thank you so That's much for awesome. your time tonight I, I really yeah, really appreciate it it thanks for having it. me It's been a nice. fun awesome yeah time flies doesn't it
1: it, it, it does. That, I, I got to go take my mom to dinner right now for okay, her birthday. Well,
2: well, let's all happy. Happy birthday. Once again, we'll get you out of here. Well, I just want to say uh, a, um, a few thank yous to some people. First and foremost, I guess it's a little different for uh, our US uh, viewers. Uh, Memorial Day weekend. So please uh, have a safe Memorial Day weekend out there. Thank you to all of the men and women who have served and continue to serve uh, those that uh, we've lost. But we wouldn't be able to do these things that we're doing like this if it wasn't for people that are fighting for our freedom. So have, have a safe one. I hate to use the word happy Memorial Day weekend. I mean, I hope you're all happy this weekend, but I hope I wish you a safe Memorial Day. Uh, and I want to thank a lot of people here listed as well, too. First and foremost, Chris, for joining us tonight. My beautiful better half, Sandra Lee, who is our executive producer. Uh, couldn't do this without her, that's for sure. Our show sponsors, Warren, Rachel, and the team at bobbleheads.com. Be sure to check them out with all your uh, Better Call Saul um, action figures. We'd also like to thank our channel members, our Patreon supporters, our channel moderators, our YouTube subscribers, Super Chatters, PayPal donators, and those that purchase our merch like I'm wearing right now from our Broadstash Boutique at broadstash.com. Tune in again uh, next week at 9 p.m. Eastern. If it's your first time here on the show, please hit that subscribe button right now. We promise to work just as hard to keep you as a, as a subscriber as we did get you this one and it hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at Inside the Gilliverse. Uh, Chris, I'll say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone, again, have a safe weekend. Be safe out there. We look forward to seeing you next week and until next time, cheers.
1: Thanks again for tuning into Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul.